welcome to episode two of Room 2250 season three. After the fantastic response we had for the first episode, we're back with another episode and today I have Professor Alec Jacobson here to talk to us about research and the new graphics in initiatives that we're bringing here at the department. Hi, uh, thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. After like, like when I sent you the email, it's like almost the next day you <laughs> gave me that response saying, yeah, let's do this. And I was like, awesome. That's yeah, great. sure. I'm very happy to, to be here. Yeah, it's like bringing out even like research as something. U of T is being such a research oriented university. It's like getting undergrads to think about and say, oh, OK, research is actually like a viable platform and that. And then all the great stuff that U of T is doing, like students normally just stay within like the first like two, three floors of Bayhang, but like all the way up here, <laughs> it's like all the magic happens up here at the top of the floor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So uh, yeah, we're up here on the fifth floor uh, where the computer graphics and HCI researchers have the DGP lab. Um, and yeah, and I totally agree. I mean, I, I think uh, the one of the strongest, if not the strongest thing that we have to offer the undergrads here is research opportunities. Um, so I'm very happy to help make that point. All right. So it's February the 10th and the Oscars just happened last night. So just to sort of uh, movies these days all <laughs> basically having graphics in them in, in some way, shape or form. Professor, what was your favorite movie of 2019? Uh, well, I, I have to say I loved Parasite. Um, so I, I'm very you're, happy. You're very happy it's got the <laughs> best picture. Award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm really happy. I think it's like it's awesome for like the entire like Hollywood film industry to be embracing international films. I think it's awesome. Um, and Parasite was on the like very high up on my list uh, last year. I think my favorite movie was uh, this horror film called Midsommar. Oh um, yeah, I heard about that. It was... Which I, I like horror movies, so I, I, I loved <laughs> this one. Um, and it actually does use computer graphics in, uh, in some of the scenes. I, maybe they used it in the rather gory scenes, I'm not sure. Um, but they use computer graphics in very subtle ways, what I thought was like really interesting, kind of almost manipulating the viewer into thinking maybe they were seeing something, maybe they didn't. Uh, and I, I really liked that. I thought that was that was very So fresh. like sort of inserting objects in or... Not quite inserting objects. If you see it, then, then you'll know exactly what I mean when you get to those parts. But it's sort of like... Uh, kind of hypnotic or uh, psychedelic uh, manipulation of the images that you're seeing. I really yeah. liked it. Uh. Now I have to survive another horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm not really a big horror movie, but uh, in one of my favorite movies of 2019, I, I have to go with the common opinion of uh, Avengers Endgame. Oh, was. okay, nice. I, yeah. I, as me watching those <clears throat> movies and sort of like building up, like to me, that was like a huge achievement of being able to like Builds up basically twenty two movies into like one yeah. big giant finale. Yeah, I mean, and and and, from, and on a graphics perspective, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like from a computer graphics perspective, these are basically animated movies. Yeah, like there are many scenes where you would be perhaps surprised to find out that like every pixel of the yeah. image you're seeing has been computer generated. Like even like like I I see sometimes these uh, VFX breakdowns that they do. That's right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like. Iron Man's suit is entirely CGI. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I think it was like maybe the first Iron Man where they had like a minor reference suit, and then afterwards it was just all just like yeah. green suits. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like uh, superhero movies are kind of perfect. You cover yeah. these people in capes and suits, and then the whole thing can just be computer graphics. Yeah. 
And then, like, in terms of... I'm, I'm actually a big fan of animated movies. Oh, nice, so, okay. One of my favorites, and... It, it was nominated, but not didn't win, but uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The uh, the Hidden World. That, oh, that, that was nice. a beautiful yeah. film. Yeah, yeah they do series. a really good job, and they I, I find that uh, they do a good job sort of departing from Pixar style. I think a lot yeah. of, like, uh, studios try to ape Pixar style, and, and they do their yeah. own thing, which I think is really like, cool. Even, like, that, and then, like, Claws, which I, I actually, like thought it was just like oh it's just a Netflix Christmas movie yeah. okay I, nothing special and then when it started winning awards I was like huh okay let's actually try this and I'm like oh okay this is actually something special in terms of like the animation oh that's cool I, I, I didn't catch that one I was just tried yeah it, 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 it's, it's an it's an interesting story I haven't watched it fully I just started it over the weekend it was like okay so they try to do this 2D animated movie but still have like all the 3d perspective in it okay, so they like cool. enhance it yeah, all with like cool. graphics within it and very it's cool very sort of storybook-esque feel but cool awesome so off from our oscars talk <laughs> <laughs> so first of all how, how did you become sort of a researcher in computer science and graphics and why u of t yeah so so like maybe the I'll, I'll try to abbreviate the long version of this, but I actually started my undergrad uh, pursuing journalism, so very different really? from computer science. I was a journalism and math double major at uh, New York University. I had gone there for journalism school. Um, I had always been you know, good and advanced at math, so I wanted to pursue that on the side as I was looking into journalism. Um, and then as part of my math degree, I could take one computer science class for credit sort of like fit that into your major you can you know take one extracurricular as a computer science class but you had to take the I don't know what it would correspond to here but it was like you had to take the computer science major intro class you couldn't take like the intro to programming class oh, okay. so I studied all uh, winter break one year so that I could uh, test into that like intro for computer science oh, okay so class. like our what our 148 that's right yeah 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 so like I, I studied like some Java tutorials all winter and then like I got into that class I was super excited and then I just loved that class like that was that was so awesome after one semester, I immediately dropped the journalism degree and said, I have to do computer science. Oh my. I had, t- I had two years. Yeah, it was, it was in my third year, so I, I had only two years left to take all the computer science classes. So I just like packed my schedule with all the computer science classes that I could take. Um, and I, I loved it in a way that I, I, I didn't quite have the exact same feelings for math. I was, I was good at math. I could, I could take the classes... Um, but I would stay up all night coding for my CS classes. Like that was like clearly the passion of what I wanted to do. Um, and then like, uh, like finding graphics in my last year, I had Ken Perlin as my graphics teacher. He's very famous in the field of, of computer graphics. It's hard to see any computer graphics that don't have uh, uh, Ken's footprint on them. Um, and he got me very excited about like the boundless possibilities of computer graphics. Um, and it's a, it's a field of computer science that really uses a lot of the continuous math that I was learning, uh, in my math classes. Yeah. So I really liked that opportunity to sort of put those two to skills together. To meld that sort of with the math and... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's like, like a, not, a lot of people would think like graphics is much more like a, an art field rather than like a mathematical base. But when you look at it from a computer science perspective, like I took 320 like two years ago and it's like... Oh wow! There's a lot of math behind this. And there is a lot of math, and there's a lot of opportunity for creativity too. Not all of my computer yeah. graphics colleagues uh, consider themselves creative people. They consider themselves more 
uh, math people or computer science people and, and more technical. But then a lot of my colleagues consider themselves more artistic and, and see their computer graphics research as basically tool development to do their creative endeavors. I, I kind of do that. We're sitting in my office. I have lots of things that are yeah. basically just built from the tools that I'm making, uh, and, and I love it. I love the idea I can program something that's going to make me more productive and something interesting. Yeah, to say about your office, it's actually one of the most, like, sort of, like, laid-back offices <laughs> I've ever seen in this office. I, I don't know if any of the professors want to, like, prove me wrong, but, like, literally there's just, like, a big couch and, like, a lot of empty space <laughs> and a standing desk in the corner with a nice window view, so. Yeah. And plants. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to keep this place cozy. That's good. So so how did you get here to U of T? Oh, uh, yeah. So the story of you getting here to U of T. So I, I started my PhD also at uh, NYU. My advisor told me uh, after a year that she was going to take a new position in Zurich, and I could come if, uh, if I would like and join her there. Um, so and I didn't speak to you. <laughs> no, I did. I went. Oh, I went. I loved it. Um, I I had never done study abroad or anything like that. I kind of figured like, well, like I probably won't get that opportunity. So it was it was really great to to have that sort of fall in my lap. Um, I had a great PhD at uh, ETH Zurich, which is a, a top school in Switzerland. Um, and really, at the time um, that I was fortunate enough to come to ETH Zurich, it was the pinnacle and still is in many ways, the pinnacle of computer graphics research. Like, um, uh, my advisor's lab, there's another, uh, professor there and Disney research Zurich had, uh, just r relatively recently opened there. So there's just like tons of researchers in computer graphics, uh, working there. Oh, Disney research. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I mean, it was just like a wonderful time to be there. Um, and then I came back to New York and did a postdoc and looked for faculty positions, um, uh, my, my wife and I had both decided like, okay, we don't want to live in Europe full time. And, uh, and I had thought like, okay, well, I, like, you know, I would like be willing to live anywhere in the world. Like maybe I should apply to faculty jobs anywhere. And my, my wife was wanting to pursue a nursing degree. She's like, oh, it has to be like English speaking. And I was like, all right. So like U.S., like, uh, England, Canada. She's like, no, it has to be like North America. I was like, okay, U.S. That's and Canada. Canada. <laughs> and Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh. And then, uh, uh, yeah, like, uh, applying to faculty jobs is, like, really, like, a weird and interesting thing. Like, you don't have a lot of control over where you're going to end up geographically. Uh, fortunately, we didn't have many constraints besides uh, uh, staying in English-speaking North America. Um, and I was lucky enough to get a handful of offers, and U of T was just clearly at the top of the, the schools that I wanted to be at. I love yeah. the lab here, the different uh, people I can work with. Um, a, a major part of coming here was knowing that David Levine, another graphics yeah. professor, would be starting at the same time, so we'd get to build a lab together, uh, which we've very much done, so I, I really enjoyed that. Awesome. And then now you're a successful professor here. <laughs> it's been great. I mean, we, we have yeah. wonderful graduate students, wonderful yeah. undergrad students that uh, we get to do research with. Yeah. Awesome. So, so why, I guess you've already spoken to it, uh, of why you wanted to pursue research after... Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's something that, uh, yeah, it, it's something that, like, if you're doing, if you're in the academic world, and, and being an undergrad is part of the, in the academic world, uh, sometimes going to graduate school and, and continuing sort of along the academic track is maybe the path of least resistance, or it's, it's the path that's just sort of, like, everyone around, they're, like, the, like, 
uh, mentor type figures around you all did that so it seems like a very natural thing to do and I have to be honest I think that's probably a major factor in why I'm here probably I was getting advice from people that did this and this was like a very natural thing uh, to do I was graduating in 2009 from undergrad which was an okay time to get a job with a math degree and a computer science degree but it wasn't sort of booming the way it is yeah. now and so going to graduate school seemed reasonable. I wanted to be a teacher, so I was kind of looking at like, should I go and like teach high school or something like that? Or should I go into research where there would be this promise down the road of like, maybe then you'll get to teach in university sometime. If you actually became a high school teacher, what would you have liked to have teach? Uh, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I, so I, I taught as a, um, like a student teacher in a middle school in New York, um, and I taught math. And it was really, it was fun because I basically would show up each day and depending on the teacher for that like class period or hour, I would either take out the um, sort of gifted and talented students and teach them sort of a bonus lecture so they're not like bored and being distractive uh, during, the, during the class, or I would take out the students that were like struggling to keep up with the class. And that was really rewarding to be able to yeah. work at both ends of the spectrum. You'd get to see uh, students that uh, had no idea how interesting math could be and relevant to like possible careers that they could yeah. build into during high school and so on uh, at the sort of gifted and talented end and then you get to see like the amazing progress of students that like would put a lot of work into learning something we had like one case where like a student like eventually over the course of the year like switched from like the the struggling student pull-out group to the... Uh, Probably, yeah. yeah, and then that was just, like, super rewarding. So. Wow, that... Yeah. Like, that's, like... When you see that, it's like, okay, I've actually done something. Well, I don't know that I would even necessarily take credit for it. Probably, probably like, his, his like, full-time math teacher was, was more credit to it, but... You played it, a part. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's great to see that kind of development. Like, that that's, like... Yeah, that that's, the like, the ultimate uh, uh, reward for a teacher, I think. Awesome, so... To the main topic, so how undergrad students or students in general can get involved in CS research here at U of T. So there's three like main programs. The, I'm going to say this wrong again, aren't I? USRC. USRA. USRA, yeah. there we go. Yeah. I have to, I have to get, I, I The acronym know. doesn't matter too much, but uh, yeah. Uh, the ROPs and the capstone. Yeah. So... I get, do you want to speak on that? Yeah, I can, I can yeah. tell you a little bit about uh, each of these. So uh, USRA, and I think the other one is the UTEA. There's, there's a, basically like different ways that the department can fund undergrads to work over the summer. Um, from the faculty's perspective, uh, we end up uh, cost sharing for the students' summer stipend to do research with us over the summer. So there's a, a strong incentive, a, incentive for us to use these programs um, and then the programs are run competitively among the undergrad students. Uh, so the way this works is that research faculty will uh, submit project proposals and students will get to rank the project proposals um, and then we rank the students and try to find the best fit uh, for each student uh, to each project. Um, in general there's a lot of these proposals across the department and a wide variety in terms of uh, interest. I've done this uh, two, I think two out of the past three summers, and I'll do it again uh, this summer. Um, it's a great way uh, for students to get involved. I think it's especially great 
way, if you haven't yet uh, approached some faculty and, and, and know them uh, more personally. So it's a way to sort yeah. of like get your name on a list. If you have an impressive resume, then hopefully you'll attract their attention um, and, uh, and be able to do this program. And sadly, those uh, applications for this summer have just closed, I believe. Summer. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So this is sort of like, uh, you know, next year, you yeah. like maybe uh, try to do this. Um, the other two opportunities are something that you can do uh, next time you're enrolling for classes. So uh, one is doing research with a professor throughout the year um, or doing research uh, through a capstone project in one of our fourth year capstone uh, courses. Um, I think both of these are great. I would encourage students if they're interested in, in research opportunities to start making the connections with professors early on. Um, either this could be uh, by approaching uh, faculty during office mm -hmm. hours, especially if you're if you know your faculty is doing research, if if your uh, uh, instructor is is someone who isn't doing research, they'll know all the research faculty. So like talk to them about like what would be a good uh, suitable uh, faculty for them to approach. So I guess like a lot a lot of times people ask it's like okay like how do I like get that first sort of approach like how how do you want yeah. students to sort of approach you. Or yeah, that's that's a good thing uh, to uh, to try to spell out. So, um, first of all, just just uh, demonstrating interest goes a really long way. Almost all faculty will uh, be publishing papers. That's sort of the currency of academic research is the papers that we publish. A paper, by the way, is like a ten-page document that lists the research contributions and te technical details. Um, and we usually put these on our website, right? So one thing that you could do to impress uh, potential uh, research faculty is to, in advance, read through some of those papers and, and get a sense for what they've been working on uh, recently. Especially look for the ones where it's the faculty paired up with a student at University of Toronto. This is a good sign that it was a, a project that was done in-house and not with an external collaborator. More likely yeah. um, that this is something that they would be excited to work on with another student. Um, so like come in armed with a little bit of knowledge about what the what the faculty does. This will stroke the ego of the faculty a little bit, which is a good <laughs> thing. And then it will also uh, like engage the discussion. You'll yeah. have something that you can already bring, uh, bring talk talking about. points. That's right. Yeah, like it brings some like, hey, I really liked um, this project. Maybe I didn't understand all the details, but like I was wondering if you could do X with it, or like I wonder if you could extend this to do that. It this idea of like of uh, like already having thought of like what could come next it, it's not like you're committing to do that particular project but you're showing that you can think beyond just what you've read in the paper and that's really what we try to identify in grad students so we're really happy to see it already at the undergrad level awesome and for those of you who are interested in doing ROPs so there's the second year versions which you can do as a second year this summer and fall winter those applications just opened up last Friday oh, great. Yeah. so for some reason now you can't actually see the proposal list unless you you qualify for it okay. <laughs> so I couldn't actually check to see uh, which CS profs actually had projects in but if you're interested definitely go in and see what course offerings they have for those I know they there used to be a um, it was a video game design course oh, uh, education, with, uh, educational uh, video Steve games Steve Angles, yeah. Yeah. that ran for at least two two three years so that's there are a lot of cool stuff out there and lots of people coming in with brand new things yeah and what maybe one thing that many undergrads might not be aware of 
is that over the past three years, we have hired upwards of 20 new research faculty. This is staggering. Most, I, I can't think of another university whose CS department has hired so many young active uh, research faculty. All of these young researchers are really uh, interested in growing their group and having strong undergrads do research with them. So whether it's through ROP, USRA, or capstone projects, there are lots of opportunities with the new faculty. So it's up to students to just like fit, find out what interests them, and then that's right. Go on yeah, to yeah. And we, I mean, we've we've been hiring faculty sort of across all possible areas of computer science. Um, so there's surely someone who's active and working in the area that you're interested in. Awesome. So I guess to sort of toot self horn, uh, why computer graphics? Yeah, so like uh, we talked about this a yeah. little bit before, like I, I love that it, it brings in continuous math with, with uh, something creative. Um, I also love that it's visual. We get to see what we are doing. Um, there's an entire sort of uh, uh, culture around visual debugging. Most of the time we think of debugging in computer science as like checking values of things and and maybe stepping through code. For us, a lot of times it's whether or not the picture looks correct and we can actually create pictures or geometries and shapes that will uh, probe our code and test it in a very visual way. So I can tell whether or not this uh, animation is correct by the way that um, something wobbles in the animation. Like for me, that's, you know, that's a, a bit of joy that I, I wouldn't necessarily get a, out of like watching if some like bits were in the right order or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like, oh, not the value, but oh, this thing actually does something on screen, and it's like this, that's right, that yeah. visual out. Yeah, yeah. And these days, um, a lot of the things that we're doing is not just uh, visual, but uh, physical. So I've moved uh, somewhat into the computational fabrication realm, which is uh, involving advanced manufacturing uh, processes like three D printing or laser cutters and, and things like that um, to sort of realize our shapes in the physical world. And that has its own set of challenges, but it's also its own rewards where you get to like yeah. actually make stuff. Now you can touch the actual graphics. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And like even like especially with like in, in terms of the world of film and like even in the industry, it's like graphics are now been like. Yeah, I mean, like, like it, it, over the last like 20 years, like since like Toy Story, basically. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really remarkable sometimes uh, when I'm giving talks, um, I like to put up a slide where I, I show that like. Graphics is, is so embedded in the, uh, in the visual effects and film industry that we, we sort of expect it. So like as, as uh, filmmakers uh, make their film, they might use computer graphics purely out of convenience. Yeah. So like they're in sitcoms that are supposed to be shot in New York might just green screen and yeah. put computer graphics of New York behind it because that's easier than shipping everything out to New York and filming it. and. And uh, this is uh, why everyone comes to Toronto to film stuff. That's right. That's right. I I even heard one story. I tried to like tell the like the mildly censored version of it. Like actors like sign writers that say like what they can and can't be shown on screen doing right. Uh -huh. And sometimes like during the making of the film, like they'll like accidentally shoot something that they weren't supposed to be shooting. Uh, and computer graphics is just a way that we can fix this purely for yeah. legal reasons. And that's like remarkable that this technology has gone. It's like you're something. not allowed to show my tattoo on my. That's right. Yeah. Like imagine something like this. Like oh, we'll just like uh, computer graphics a sheet fix over it or post. something like that. <laughs> like, really amazing that like 
we've gone from like something that like really seemed like well you're only going to use this for like a special effects lightning bolt or something like that to something that's used to like weasel out of like legal contracts like that shows like complete adoption of the technology i think yeah because even like like i've grown up on a lot of like indian films as well and it's like it's interesting to see like some of those effects where it's just like oh okay well like a lot of times for like stunts they just like wipe out like right all, right. all the cables <laughs> right it's like and and then it's so, like 20 years ago with like toy story and then with just being like one film and that taking like days to basically render to like people making like animation now being like this like almost a gold standard in its right, own right, right, right. Of just like with films like frozen and toy story 4 like toy story 4 actually to speak on toy story 4 is like as uh, those rain effects in the beginning of that movie were like oh boy <laughs> they're just like they're actually almost real life. Yeah, like, yeah. I remember like the, the, the even the even the one before that in Toy Story three. One of my like moments, which is like dawned on me, like how good computer graphics is. The very end of the film, I'd, like somebody's getting into a car and they put the yeah. seatbelt on, and the seatbelt actually has like the retro reflective stitching that like you know like that are in seatbelts so that yeah. people, like emergency techs can like find people in the dark or something. That has been like. It pain, you know, painstakingly uh, rendered, rendered onto the seatbelt in a cartoon movie. It's like, yeah. wow, like the amount of detail. The amount of that, detail yeah. that, like, now we can even get with, like, even, like, with video games and all that. It's like, that's right. Lo- yeah. Looking at, like, a PlayStation 1 games versus, like, today's, like, realistic graphics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're basically, like, playing inside of, uh, like, Marvel movies. Yeah. You're basically playing inside yeah. of, like, an actual, like, game. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, with your hiring as well as, um, David Levine, yeah. David Levine's hire as well. We're getting a new graphics course line that I mentioned with Professor Craig last episode. So talk to you a little bit about those. So the graphics, uh, not the graphics, geometric models course and then the animation course, which is brand new. That's right. So uh, for the last uh, so many years, the only undergrad offering for computer graphics um, was called Computer Graphics. It was sort of a, uh, a broad course on computer graphics. Um, over the last uh, two offering, two years of offering this course, um, I've completely reorganized this course around a modern curriculum. Um, added a lot of assignments, but as you'll know if you take my course, these are uh, smaller assignments to keep a, te- a steady pace um, and uh, expose students to uh, a broad range of modern uh, computer graphics uh, topics. Um, with the intention that this course then gets pushed down into a third year course. So as of next year, what was formerly 418 will now be a third year offering. And the great thing that this does is it allows us to create fourth year offerings in this sort of stream. Stream is a loaded word, but stream of computer graphics. Uh, a series. A series. Let's call it a series, something that's not already taken. Um, um, and eventually we'll build this up so that the graphics course will be a true pre- prerequisite so that you can really build on that knowledge. Um, I think for the first couple of offerings, we won't require a strict prerequisite because yeah. that's tough for students that are already here. Um, so the, the two courses that we're already planning for fourth year are geometry processing. This will be taught by me um, and physically based computer animation, which would be taught by uh, Professor David Levine. Um, I'll say a little bit about both. So geometry processing is a course that I've offered um, at the graduate level with optional enrollment um, from undergrads. And then we offered it once as a sort of capstone overlap course with the with the graduate course uh, the previous year. 
Um, so this is a course where we study how shapes, and everything has a shape, right? Everything has a shape. So how anything can be represented on the computer. How do we actually represent geometric shapes, and how do we do anything interesting with it? Computer graphics then becomes sort of a one possible thing that we can do to a shape. We can render it and make an image out of it. But there's lots of other things we can do. We can analyze it for problems. You can imagine like scanning a bridge and trying to look for cracks and finding out what's wrong with it. Um, we can animate it. Maybe this is for the purposes of computer graphics or maybe it's for uh, studying physical properties. So engineers are interested in how a shape might bend or break. Um, physicians are interested in how uh, our anatomy changes over time and changes with... Uh, if you squish a few bones... Um, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, so geometry processing is meant to be the analog of signal processing, where instead of an arbitrary signal or audio signal, you have a geometric signal. So the uh, um, things like Fourier analysis, we try to bring over to geometric shapes. So there's... Uh, 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 an attempt to try to uh, match uh, analogously both the filters that you do on shapes and also the, uh, the, the mathematical theory that you use. Um, and then computer animation, well this is uh, maybe a, a little bit uh, uh, closer to what people might already expect. Um, so this is how do you make shapes move? We get into a little bit of this in the computer graphics class, but we also spend a lot of time on how do you make the actual picture, pictures. Um, so this will be an entire course devoted to uh, making animated shapes and specifically looking at how do you use the laws of physics to guide the animations of those shapes. So how do you make something squish or bounce or, or fold the way that it does in the real world? Awesome. Well, that's going to be some very interesting courses that will come up, especially. So with those courses, it's like, so what are your sort of like expectations of students? Like if they wanted to get into computer graphics, like... Should they be taking advanced calculus or maths? Definitely, you need to take calculus. I don't. I don't know that you need to. Um, you don't need to. Should you need to like sort of like, like really like know your math concepts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think uh, especially for students that want to take these fourth year classes, they're going to have to be very comfortable with things like derivatives and integrals. Um, and certainly with linear algebra, and linear algebra is just impossible to avoid, uh, even in the in the uh, the third year computer graphics course. What will now be the third year computer graphics course? Um, while there is a lot of math in computer graphics, um, I do believe that the the math that we are doing is something that you you can learn and enjoy in a different way than you would in a mathematics class, like a, a class that's actually offered in the math department. Um, part of the reason is that we deal with things in a much less abstract way. Often in math class, you might learn about some operations or some calculus where they say like, okay, in arbitrary dimensions, we're gonna do this. Most of computer graphics is happening in 2D or 3D. And most of the math that we're doing, we can draw on the board. When we have a vector, we can really just draw that vector. When we have a shape, we can draw the boundary of that shape and actually look at things. Um, so in that sense, I think even students that are, have taken these math classes but might not have felt super confident will find some of the joy and uh, confidence that they didn't see in the math class when they take the, the graphics courses. Awesome. Well, to be honest, that's all, that, all the questions I had. And I know a lot of people were asking about to make those run, these episode runtimes much shorter. Sure, so, <laughs> sure, 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 yeah. Uh, well, once again, thank you for yeah, thank having you. me. Yeah, thank you for having me. And... 
We'll see you on another episode of Room 2250. This is Nugent signing off with Professor Jacobson. Thank you very much.